episode 41, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today, we're continuing our conversation with Jay Kim about his book, Analog Church. Jay Kim is a graduate of Fuller Seminary and serves on staff at Vintage Faith Church in Silicon Valley, overseeing leadership and teaching. He's on the leadership team at The Regeneration Project and also co-hosts The Regeneration Podcast. His work has been featured in Christianity Today, The Gospel Coalition, and Relevant Magazine. He and his wife Jenny live in California with their two kids. Worship is a response to the goodness of God in our lives. We can express that response in times when we're alone. But there's something about the gathering together of people that can't be replaced with a digital experience. The problem comes from our tendency to treat worship as something meant to make us feel good. If we view worship as something for us, listening to or watching a worship service digitally becomes just as good as worshiping together. But could it be that true worship is something each of us are called to create and participate in rather than something we consume? In this chapter, Jay gets to the heart of what worship is and the reason we were made to be disciples worshiping together side by side. What is analog worship? Because you talk about that. We need to get back to this idea of analog worship in our churches. So what is that? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, by analog, by the very word itself, what I mean is embodied, like I said before, embodied tactile, physical presence. So an analog church, what I mean is an embodied, tactile, shoulder-to-shoulder human beings with other human beings together, collectively becoming the people of God, being and becoming the people of God. So um, that can apply to all sorts of things, like you said, worship and community and even the scriptures. Um, when it comes to worship, you know, I think a, a good starting point would be that uh, if you've been at church for any length of time, you've heard some form of the phrase, you know, worship is not music, right? And uh, that's absolutely true. Um Although, although music, you know, worship is not not music. That is clearly a, a beautiful biblical expression of worship. But it is one expression of a much larger thing, which is worship. You know, in um, in what we call the Old Testament, the, the Jewish scriptures, and then in the New Testament, both the Hebrew and Greek words for worship. First of all, none of them mean music specifically, mm-hmm. but all of them, several of these words, all of them mean some form of physical adoration and allegiance to a superior, typically a king. So the words in Hebrew and in English mean some form of like prostrating yourself low before a superior. Um, In the Greek, proskuneo actually means to lean in and kiss the hand of a king, right? Which would have been a form of allegiance and and, um, adoration in the ancient world. Uh, It means, again, to bow down, crouch low, um, so sink, sink deeply. It means all sorts of words like this. So it's what I mean, but the the point I'm trying to make here is that it's incredibly physical. Mm -hmm. Like it is the words for worship, are by their very nature, in meaning, they are physical embodied acts. They're not ideas. They're not sort of songs that you, 
you know, with hands in your pockets sort of sway and hum along to. The idea, the biblical idea of worship, Old Testament and New, is about bodily engagement, full-bodied, um, whole-bodied participation in pledging our allegiance to and um, expressing our adoration and, and love for and toward Christ the King. And so by analog worship, I mean exactly that. That when we think about worship in the digital age, because of the digital age, typically we think about stuff we consume. We think about like the latest and greatest Hillsong album that we can just consume on Spotify or whatever, right? Oh, mm-hmm. worship mm-hmm. music, you know? <laughs> and you're just like driving to work and you're listening and then you don't like track three. So two, two seconds into it, you just click next and go to the next song, which is a song you like. Cause it really helps you connect to the Lord or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not bashing, you know, worship music. I think it's great and incredibly helpful and important, but if we're not careful, the digital age and its technologies and the accessibility it gives us to stuff like this and how quickly we can move on to the next, it just forms in us this understanding that worship is something we consume and it's not mm-hmm. worship is in fact something that we um, are called demanded of us to create together as the people of God with our entire bodies. Right. And, um, you know, music, again, as an example, music is such a such a beautiful form of worship. People don't think about music primarily as something they create anymore. They do think of it as something they consume. And so it's no wonder that when we sing our songs as an expression of worship in our churches, most of the time, most of the people, I mean, most worship leaders across America will, will vouch for this because it's a source of mm-hmm. frustration for them. Most of the people, most of the time, are standing there sort of watching, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. humming along, and then you have a handful of people who are really engaged. But for the most part, they're just kind of consuming the presentation, you know, the big spectacle of the of the worship music. So uh, I, I just think when it comes to analog worship, what I'm um, hoping for, praying for, is that we turn the tide. We shift sort of um, – the way we invite people to participate and to create worship together that are gathering spaces, whether they're house churches or thousands of people in a mega church or something in between that whenever the people of God gather to worship together, it's an invitation to participate rather than a presentation to consume. Mm. And um, that the dividing line between those two things, I think, is going to be crucial, especially as we um, move further into digital realities. Yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed uh, reading through Francis Chan's letters to the church, a letter to the church, was uh, um, the the way that he talked about in their in their house church network, making singing songs together one of the core things that they were uh, kind of building their community around. And it wasn't something like, oh, we're going to put words on our, on our TV screens or we're going to um, have one person lead out in worship. It was, it was really about the entire community coming together yeah. and singing out of what uh, the Spirit had been doing in their, in their midst over the past yeah. week or the past month. And it was something that was really organic and it wasn't it wasn't about the performance. It wasn't about feeling good from the song that you heard. It was a genuine expression yeah. of gratitude and thanks and humility before God. And if you're in a small house church, everybody can hear everybody. <laughs> and it's not yeah. something where you, you kind of get to hide. And um, 
Yeah, making it something that we participate in, I think, is a really important thing that we've lost. Uh, really, and I haven't done too much study on this, but I, I, just anecdotally, I think, really, since uh, the invention of microphones and speakers came along, because then yeah. it was about us being able to project the the leading of the song out into the congregation. And I mean, how many how many building how many church buildings do we know now that have been acoustically set up? so that the sound of the congregation singing is amplified rather than the sound coming from the speakers is is made to sound just right for the person listening in the in the 10th row back yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. it's shifted i think because of the uh, the availability of technology totally yeah i'm with you i i uh it's a fascinating thing if you think about even just music and the way we consume music like you were saying you know um it wasn't until like, I mean, up until about 150 years ago, maybe, when someone said the word music, what all human beings thought was, oh, that's a thing we make. Mm-hmm. Or it's a journey we take to a place where we all gather at a set time where someone who has made that music um, plays it for us to enjoy. It's an ephemeral experience where like, and once yeah, that's done, yeah. it's over and it lives in my head. And if I want to hear it again, I have to make it right. Mm-hmm. That was music for all of human history, for all of music history until like 150 years ago, a century and a half ago. Yeah. And then Edison makes the phonograph and that leads to, um, you know, the, the vinyl record players. And then that leads to, you know, radio and it leads to. Uh, the boombox and the Walkman and the CD player. And then in 2001, it's the iPod. And we're like a thousand songs. We're <laughs> yeah. like, unbelievable. And now on Spotify, there's like over 50 million songs. You that get whatever you choose, want. Right? Yeah. That's yep. all happened. This is the speed of tra- and trajectory of, of technology. That's all happened in the last 150 years. Yeah. So think about like the millennia upon millennia of music um, before that. And music was just one thing for thousands of years. Music was one thing, which is it's something we make. It's it's a experience we journey to to participate and create together. And once it's gone, it's gone until I make it or someone makes it again. Mm -hmm. That's what music was for thousands of years. And then in 150 years, it's become I don't know. Music is just something on my phone and I can you know tell Siri to play whichever song I want. And she does. And it's great. And instead of bringing us together, I put music on now when I want to drown everybody else out. That's exactly right. Yeah. It it becomes an isolating experience. Yeah. The shift from the boom box, which you still carried on your shoulder, and if you walked around, everyone was going to hear it. It's communal. Mm -hmm. The shift from the boom box to the Walkman. Now, I have headphones, and I'm just in my own world. And now that's being accelerated, right? With AirPods, for example, it's so crazy because, like, I don't even – sometimes I think people are crazy because I think they're talking to themselves. Yeah. And I go, with, oh, they're wearing AirPods. They're, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's um, – or a person looks like they're sitting quietly and, and maybe you can say hello and you realize, no, they're like they're like immersed in that podcast or whatever. Uh-huh. You, you know, it's, it's just we're living in our own world and it's fascinating, but we also have to, to be really mindful and aware of how that's maybe undoing some of the most crucial stuff of life when it comes to following Jesus. Yeah. You talk a lot about um, Sherry Turkle's book, Alone Together, in yours, yeah. and, and that, it, like, her, 
we don't have to go into great detail because I think her title alone says it all, right? Right. Yeah. It's this idea that everybody is together. I mean, we've all had the experiences. We go out to eat or, you know, we're standing in line at Walmart or wherever, right? And instantly the phones are all out. And so we're yeah. all scrolling. We're all looking yeah. for some way. Even though we're surrounded by people, we're totally and completely alone. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, her research is uh, a great and the insights you bring out in that book, I think, are uh, – are really, really worth considering. Um, so we got this idea of worship. It, your idea is to make this thing tactile once again, to, to bring it back to an experience, to take it away from like this isolating um, thing. One, one of the other profound things that come out of this section on worship that you uh, mentioned that really like even sparked a great conversation, uh, Josh and I. And, and so and I want to talk a little bit about maybe even our own platform here with this is this idea that you say, um, digital products, digital mediums are really, really great at informing people, mm-hmm. but they can't transform us. For that, we need that analog experience. So you have digital yeah. informs, analog uh, transforms. Um, yep. So you're saying that there definitely is a place for the digital sphere in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, it just can't be the thing that we put all our eggs in and, and that it's it's a transformational thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not like throw away your phone and your laptop and be Amish and go milk Uh your own cows or anything. You know, if you want to do that, that's awesome. You know, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) You and I, you know, um, you guys, we're having this conversation hundreds upon hundreds of miles away in real time because of technology. And anybody listening to this conversation is listening because of digital technology. So I'm grateful. But at the same time, you know, while my, my deepest hope is that some of these ideas and maybe this conversation leads to transformation in people's lives. The reality is this conversation is primarily about informing people. Hopefully it provokes them. Maybe it inspires them, moves them in a particular direction. But real transformation for anybody listening is going to happen in the trenches of real, tactile, physical, embodied life mm-hmm. with the people that you do life with and with your church community and, and as you practice some of these things and implement change and all of that. So that's essentially you know, the point I'm trying to make. Just like you said, I think digital is actually not only okay for, I think digital technologies are wonderful tools when it comes to information and even sometimes inspiration. You know, I think that if the goal with whatever it is you're creating and wanting to to share with people, if the goal is primarily to inform them and maybe even to inspire them, then yeah, I think you digital away, that's great. But ultimately when it comes to Christian discipleship, following Jesus, faithfully. Um, it's, it's information, even inspiration falls short. What we're looking for is transformation, mm-hmm. real deep change. You know, the Greek word is metamorpho, which from which we get the English word metamorphosis, right? Which, which makes us imagine like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So we're not just talking about like incremental change. We're talking about like complete complete and utter disintegration and reintegration into a new thing. Mm -hmm. That's transformation, right? And for that, um, it's always analog. It's always, it's always in real life, real space, real time. Um, Anything meaningful in human life, I think, proves this point. You know, every um, truly transformational experience you've had 
I would argue is analog. It's physical. You showed up for it. You know, um, if I were to ask the question, you know, what's the most transformational meal you've ever had, for example, like eating by its very name, it doesn't matter how many incredible, you know, food videos you've seen on YouTube or wonderful culinary shows you watch on Netflix. The reality is like that all pales in comparison. You can't taste the food except to physically show up and put mm-hmm. it in your mouth and chew it. And, you know, so, um, there you go. I don't know if that sort of, no, it's great question, but yeah, because, you know, we struggle with this, like our goal, our whole, our heart beats transformation. We want to see people transformed. And yet we realize that the, uh, the very medium by which we're using to communicate is it's stuck to exactly what you, what you just said, right? It's information and hopefully, uh, inspiration and in that it yeah. inspires you to go out and take some sort of action to get involved. And yeah. it's why, it's why at the end of every podcast, I mean, we have some sort of call to action, but that like, are primarily analog. Yeah, that's what they're trying to go yeah. towards. Yeah, but but at that point, it's out of our hands. And right. so, right. you know, it's like we just pray and hope that people take the stuff that we're using and, um, you know, do something with it. But it's also yeah. why we have, I think, step three is like, you know, we, we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast is such an important part of the discipleship journey is that you have to be walking with others. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're not walking with others, you're going to miss out on exactly what you're talking about. And that's why I love the language that you're using here. Digital informs, analog transforms, and just this whole idea that, because I think if we can grasp this, at least, again, this is the information part, I guess. If we can really <laughs> grasp that, then I think we can, We it does inspire us to go out and take that action to say, you know what, you know, my relationship is more than just between me and God. That's an important component. But I have to be involved in a local church. I have to be involved yeah. with walking with others because if I'm not, I'm going to miss out on the rich, rich richness that comes from the Christian life when well, you're it, doing life it's together. It's in those places of relationships with other people that you even experience uh, Christ himself in ways that you can't get from just walking with him by yourself. Yeah. I mean— Confession alone is something like confessing your sins and your your failures to another human being. It, I don't know. There's just something about it that doesn't happen if I'm just sitting alone with God and confessing the same that same exact failure or sin just to God in my private prayer time. Mm-hmm. Because there's a a natural human physical separation that occurs when we when we sin and violate relationships. And so to see that repaired through something like confession between two people in the same location, I think is just something that you, you can't experience any other way. And I think that's why it's called the body of Christ. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally there with you guys. I would actually suggest that, um, you know, Joseph Hellerman, uh, who wrote a book called when church was a family, he has this great line in the book. He says, even though we're saved as individuals, we are saved into a family. Um, so I would actually, you know, say that following Jesus is by its nature, at its core, a communal reality, that there is no such thing as um, following Jesus alone. There's just, there's no example of that. There's no model for that. There's, it doesn't exist, except in the sort of modern Western evangelical church, you know, where, <laughs> you know, Christian Smith and the, 
therapeutic moralistic um, deism, that whole idea yeah. is like so helpful. It's like that's not actually Christianity. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. not historic Christian faith, which is, you know, following Jesus is something totally different. And by its nature, it involves following Jesus with others. Um, and also, I, w- I would add, with others who are so very often totally unlike us. Mm-hmm. And and that is also by design in so many ways. Yeah. In our overly digitized lives, where everything we want is available at the click of a button, it's easy to forget that worship is about giving, not receiving. We attend church services, and we judge them on how the music portion of the service made us feel. But worship involves much more than listening or singing music. It involves our whole beings. And in the context of the church, it's the reason we gather together. Our desire to worship God creates a common identity within us. The call to follow Christ is a call to walk with others in worshipful surrender to Him. And this can only happen when we are together, worshiping as an analog community. We are all guilty of forgetting that worship is more than just the music portion of the service. It's easy to become a passive observer in our church gatherings rather than an active participant in the worship itself. So I want to challenge you to break out of your passive shell and embrace worship as an active part of your lifestyle and commitment to the church body. This may be difficult right now amidst all the COVID-19 concerns, but you can be intentional with your family. Set aside some time each week to gather with those in your home for a time of analog worship. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jay's work, check out jkimthinks.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jay unpacks the reason community has to be an embodied experience. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.